Hello and welcome to the RCVS podcast. I'm Anna Feeney, a member of the communications team here at the college, and for our first ever episode, I'll be talking with our president, Professor Stephen May, about his priorities for the year ahead, including possible changes into the Legislation Working Party, um, Brexit, and graduate outcomes and CPD. So thank you so much for joining us, Stephen. Um, so we know that the college is reviewing veterinary legislation, which may or may not involve changing the Veterinary Surgeons Act. So could you just talk us through that a little bit and what might happen? Hello, Anna. So yes, uh, the college has um, been interested in the legislative frameworks for the profession for a number of years, going back to considerations in the 2000s around possibly a new Veterinary Surgeons Act. Um, we discovered along the way that uh, in relation to some of the updating we need to do for the profession, we've been able to achieve that through legislative reform orders. Examples would be uh, the changes to the disciplinary process and also the new charter which allowed us to recognise and register veterinary nurses in a way uh, much more similar uh, to the veterinary surgeons themselves and recognise them as associate members of the college. Um, but along the way there have been a number of uh, emerging areas such as practice standards, um, such as professional development, um, such as uh, some of the changes around the responsibilities of the veterinary team, in particular Schedule 3 and nursing and also exemption orders in relation to acts of veterinary surgery, uh, where we needed a, a, a bigger consideration and discussion with DEFRA. So in its current form, the Legislation Working Party is exploring all those elements which we've been parking along the way, uh, uh, ready for revisiting. And I guess what's made it particularly um, timely uh, has been the Brexit um, vote and the recognition that we potentially have workforce issues approaching from the fact that we may lose a significant number of the um, veterinarians coming from uh, Europe uh, within the course of the next couple of years. And uh, there is a need then that we have a strategy for handling that, uh, both in terms of sort of longer term considerations around um, educating more vets in the UK um, ensuring that where we have skills needs we are able to lobby government to ensure that, that they are met and also a consideration of um, areas where appropriately um, trained veterinary nurses and uh, perhaps para other paraprofessional groups may be able to support us always recognising the importance of animal welfare in all this. Absolutely. So there's a hope that veterinary nurses might be able to fill a bit of a gap potentially if there's a shortage in the veterinary professions after Brexit. Well, quite a lot of this is recognising the skills that nurses have and, and um, actually developing those. Uh, yes, so that, so that um, uh, if 
there are difficulties around recruitment of veterinary surgeons. Nurses will be working alongside uh, vets in practice, uh, using um, all their skills to ensure that patient interests are served. That's brilliant. And I know that as president, you've also taken a keen interest in veterinary education, um, both at university and then after the students have graduated and they're in the real world of veterinary practice. Um, so what kind of work is the college doing around that and looking at veterinary education changes? So like the schools themselves, the college, um, together with the profession as a whole, has been concerned about uh, preparation of the next generation of veterinary surgeons and in particular um, as listeners will know from uh, initiatives such as the Mind Matters uh, initiative um, the, um, the problems around stress and anxiety suffered and the difficulties that new graduates have when they enter um, general practice for the first time which is where the majority of graduates uh, go initially and for many of them obviously that will be their, their long-term career um, and we have recognized a need for um, vets to be highly technically competent so the schools have done a lot of work around technical skills but that I think in some ways has exposed or thrown into stark relief um, issues around what for want of a better word, we call non-technical skills, broader professional skills such as being able to cope with uncertainty, um, reasoning, not just clinical reasoning but ethical reasoning and integrating economic considerations uh, to come to the best um, possible decision for individual cases in the interests of the animal and uh, also the owner. Uh, and for various reasons, um, uh, some new graduates have struggled to, um, to cope with that professional challenge. And so we're looking at graduate outcomes and we're incorporating into that consideration uh, the nature of clinical training, um, revisiting uh, EMS, extramural studies, um, some listeners will remember that as seeing practice, um, and also um, these broader um, outcomes uh, in terms of these um, non-technical skills um, so that we can work with the schools to ensure that um, these are developed alongside all the other important skills we expect of a, a, a capable um, veterinary graduate. And that leads into CPD because we've, we've recognised that for recent graduates and even older graduates, again, they can become a lot more confident, um, a lot happier indeed in their professional lives. Um, if their communication skills, their, their reasoning skills are really well adapted to the challenges of in particular general practice. So in engaging a, or creating a, a more well-rounded veterinary force um, at the university level, will that involve kind of different application process potentially or in teaching the teachers themselves and how to nurture this kind of learning? What kind of specifics are being talked about? 
I, I, I guess the simple answer is all of that, really. So we have tried, uh, we've looked at a number of the strands, uh, complementary strands within the Vet Futures project. Um, so it's not just about the graduate outcomes, uh, it's also um, potentially about the nature of the individuals that enter veterinary school and the selection processes. Um, it's certainly about the context within which they learn, and I've, rec I, I, I've mentioned EMS already, and also the, the big teaching hospitals in the university, but also some of the distributed partner practices that some uh, universities use, all the time aiming that they are um, uh, supporting this development of really capable um, graduates. And alongside all that, there is a need to develop uh, confidence in our veterinary educators. So, uh, as with all disciplines in university, we recognise that it, it's not enough just to be an expert in your field. You also need to be um, an expert in how you teach your field. Um, so, for clinicians and scientists involved in, in, in veterinary education, all the schools are doing a lot more now to ensure that they are confident um, uh, educating students in, in terms of the knowledge and technical skills they require, but also recognising uh, that these broader reasoning and communication professional skills also need to be incorporated in their classes. Um, whether that's the more formal part of the course or whether it's actually during the clinical uh, years. Okay, well, thank you so much for talking to us about this today, Stephen, and um, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you more throughout the year as these things develop. I look forward to that. I then got a chance to talk to Liz Cox, Chair of our Veterinary Nursing Council, about what's on the agenda for the year ahead. So, um, Liz, you just got back from DVNA Congress, so can you tell us a bit about what you were talking to VNs about at the event? Uh, yes, certainly. So it was a very well-attended event. We had lots of veterinary nurses attending our stand. Uh, quite excitingly, we had we won a presentation, for, an award, sorry, for the, uh, the best stand. Our focus was very much around Schedule 3 and what is Schedule 3 currently, because obviously we have um, the work that's ongoing at the moment. There was lots of debate and discussion about some of our questions, which was quite good. Um, but yeah, certainly very well-attended stand, which was fabulous. Um, talking to veterinary nurses, we are looking at where we're using veterinary nurses in practice um, and some of the interesting stuff that's starting to come out of our consultation at the moment is that we've got a lot of veterinary nurses using, being used in nursing clinics. Um, for example, we've got over 86% of our recent contributors to um, the consultation were actually involved in veterinary nursing clinics. So um, examples sort of uh, puppy and kitten care, nutrition and ongoing medical conditions. Um, and I think that will be an interesting area for veterinary nurses to develop. Brilliant, and this is all part of an ongoing general review of Schedule 3, is that right? Yeah, very much so. So it sort of sits under our veterinary nursing futures banner. So um, we've looked at lots of areas and where we think we want the veterinary nursing profession to go. Um, one of the areas that was key was having a look at Schedule 3, the advice we give. Is it clear enough? Do people understand it? And do we use it appropriately? Um, since we started that process, we've obviously had a decision on Brexit. And that quite interestingly has fed into um, thoughts about our workforce, how we utilise our staff. Um, so very much the work of Brexit and um, the veterinary nursing futures projects are beginning to overlap. So we're seeing um, situations where we are concerned about veterinary surgeon recruitment and we have veterinary nurses um, 
who are maybe being underutilised in practice and wanting to do a lot more. So again, heading back to the Veterinary Nursing Futures project, we're starting to look at the development and how we would develop the um, advanced veterinary nursing practitioner, what that would look like in terms of education, but also in terms of uh, role and how they're utilised within the practice. Um, which again overlaps with Schedule 3, so a lot of our work is feeding into the Veterinary Nursing Futures Project. Yeah, and in Dinella it's been about a year and a half since the action plan was launched for that, so you've had a lot that's been going on in there. Are there any other kind of um, subjects where there's real advancement in the in Futures? Uh, yes, certainly. So One Health was one that really surprised us actually. That came very quickly. Um, we had lots of interest from the uh, human-centred nursing profession, in particularly respiratory medicine, and several of us attended their respiratory uh, conference and um, there's some ongoing work to look at how we can use the veterinary nursing profession to help educate owners in giving up smoking so people don't want to necessarily give up smoking for their own health benefits but they may be encouraged to do so for their animals and actually the human nursing profession wants to work with the veterinary nursing profession to share ideas um, and to see how we're using people um, not in our traditional roles which was very exciting. That's wonderful and you're talking about how there might be opportunities in the in futures to actually give more kind of if, um, qualifications for vet nurses to allow for a more more advanced career and you were mentioning um, that there might be a veterinary nurse practitioner status in the next or yes so we're certainly looking at it and um, bear with us because there's a bit of work and stuff involved around it but at the moment we have our veterinary nurses qualifying either through the degree or the uh, diploma route and then there's the opportunity to do advanced uh, diplomas but it doesn't actually change your status or your role so we're just having a look at that as to actually we're very good at recruiting veterinary nurses or how we're not so good at retaining them, although the figures are slight, starting to change on that, which is quite refreshing, so the average age of the veterinary nurse is going up, but actually in, in terms of how long we've been on the register is also going up. But I think we need to retain some of our nurses who want to push the boundaries a little bit more. We have veterinary nurses who go abroad and do the vet tech specialist qualification, so we're looking at how we can kind of mirror that um, and also celebrate what we've got veterinary nurses doing everyday jobs in first opinion practice also. Absolutely really wonderful. And in, um, of course you mentioned Brexit before, and I imagine that will have some sway as well on the retention issue. Have you found that's really changed the focus of the in futures at all? Not, but it will change the focus in terms of where we're looking at Schedule 3. I think we're being a little bit more ambitious in our thinking. Interesting when we start to look at our numbers of registrants from um, overseas and certainly within Europe, they're actually going up. Um, we had an increase this year, um, but obviously long term going forward with um, immigration and stuff, we're not sure how that will do. Um, the only thing that is of interest for, for the veterinary nursing world is actually this may be an opportunity for us to develop our role a little bit more in practice. What we're absolutely not advocating is becoming mini vets, but actually using the training and the qualification we've got and, and the skills, particularly in terms of communication and preventative health care, in developing that role a little bit more to assist the veterinary surgeon. And if that may be in terms, uh, in terms of addressing shortage that's got to be a good thing, but also improving access to animal welfare. Some of the charities are very keen that we look at that. Sounds like there's a lot going on in veterinary nursing department. Lots and lots going on, and they're all feeding in as well. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about that, and we'll hopefully be catching up with you later in the year for some updates. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. That's it for this episode of the RCVS podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Podbean or iTunes, so please do subscribe to hear more from inside the RCVS.